0: Welcome to the last FT Advisor podcast of 2020 with me, Simony Kureyaku, editor of Financial Advisor. It's a great relief to be saying goodbye to 2020, farewell to lockdowns, farewell to black swans colliding, farewell to jury by Twitter and general unrest. Although what 2021 has in store for us is anyone's guess. Had I the money to be a betting woman, I'd certainly not rule out more shenanigans in the US and perhaps even an alien invasion, who knows. Uh, but during this year, we've also seen the rise of technology, a change in the way advice is given, a focus on service levels that go above and beyond, cuts and dividends, and a change in the way the mortgage market works. So with me today are four specialists in their fields of investment, protection, mortgages and pensions. They're not the four horsemen of the apocalypse, but they are here to talk about the near biblical happenings of 2020, how the pandemic has affected and shaped their sectors, and what they think might be the challenges and opportunities of 2021 so please welcome keith ashworth lord he's the chief investment officer for sanford deland asset management Catherine knowles managing director of cura financial services andrew montlake managing director at coraco and helen morrissey pension specialist for royal london welcome all hi.
1: hi hi um
0: now i'd like to ask each of you in turn um just to talk a little bit about your sectors giving me a top line about what you've seen happening in investment pensions, protection and mortgages during the year. Um, I'm going to start with you, Keith, and then I'll move on to Catherine, Andrew, and then Helena.
1: Okay, it's been the most incredible year you could have imagined. Um, Everything started off in a really positive vein uh, until we got to the end of February, beginning of March, uh, when it seemed like the world turned on its head. Um, I, I was absolutely amazed with what happened no one could have foreseen what the pandemic would have brought with it in particular the lockdowns and the restriction of liberties you know in, in a liberal democracy like ours i i would never have guessed that we could have uh, had imposed upon us the restrictions that we have and in particular the crashing of the economy uh, to save lives from from the from the pandemic uh and i think that affected everybody's psyche certainly the investor's psyche uh, it led to an awful lot of panic alongside the pandemic um and you know the market bottomed out on march the 23rd people were really running for the hills at that point and i'm afraid to say an awful lot of them got whipsawed as the market swiftly bounced back uh, a quite a quite incredible year and then on top of that overlaid on that we had the situation with the with the American elections, and we have the situation with the Brexit transition period and preparing for the end of that. And quite simply, it, it, it was a it was a totally disturbed environment for investors. And I'm afraid to say it, it really did shake an awful lot of them. And, and we saw that, we saw that in our inflows and outflows. Uh, normally it's fairly consistent. Uh, we have inflows during the year. Uh, we saw outflows for the first time in in four years uh, in two of those months, and we also saw some strong inflows. But all in all, a quite incredible year.
0: Mm, absolutely, you mentioned panic, um, Catherine, in the protection market. Quite a lot of very panicked uh, people were rushing to take out cover at the uh, in in March and April, weren't they?
2: Yeah, um, we, I was actually speaking to somebody yesterday and he was somebody that I'd wanted to get the income protection for. Um, and, and as you say, that panic was absolutely there. So I'd spoken to him in, in the morning and he'd had some appointments um, with some clients. And in the space of, it was again, it was February, March time, in the space of the two to three hours, we went from being able to get him the income protection to suddenly it was income protection, but with a, a COVID exclusion. And he just for that, those few hours had completely changed the, the, the possibility for, for this person and he was a frontline worker and he actually has ended up having COVID and he's actually having long COVID. He's on eight months now of experiencing that and having just lost that opportunity to get the income protection. So I think as with with everybody here, there's been incredible change this year. You know, the beginning of the year, I mean, access to insurance for people with health conditions has just developed phenomenally over the last few years. And then all of a sudden we were faced with COVID. I think everyone in every sector and every possible kind of job, suddenly there was panic everywhere because none of us knew what to do. Um, The insurance market, protection market absolutely changed. Um, We also, you know, we we had this thing where people were suddenly seeing this massive need to have things like income protection. Um, And then there was this kind Confusion because people wanted maybe income protection because they're worried about health, but then some people wanted income protection because they're worried about their losing their job, uh, which is is a different type. That's unemployment cover, and and we had the very unfortunate situation where unemployment cover was completely removed from the market for anybody to be able to buy. So we had this thing where people were suddenly screaming for protection insurance, which is something we, we've been wanting for so many years, and just as they were coming for it everything kind of seemed to be to be barriers everywhere and i mean that's not everyone it's not every situation um but i think you know it's it, i think it's like with everybody here you know there's been a very there's had to be a very very quick reaction to what's going on probably quite extreme reactions until we know and obviously especially in protection insurance it is primarily about people making a claim due to their health and COVID is absolutely due to that and um, and luckily we are starting to come out the other side of that now uh, and things are starting to improve but I think um, a big thing to, to, to mention I believe it's something like one in five people in the UK have a disability and considering that the insurance risk appetites reduced so significantly, whilst lots of people, yes, four in five people were probably still able to get protection insurance quite easily. One in five people, which is when you look at the nation, that's that's a pretty sizable number of people suddenly started to find it very, very hard.
0: Mm, absolutely. That that sounds like a, a terrible situation. I really hope this un, unravels again in, in 2021 because as you say, we need to get people protected um andrew we, we need to get the the mortgage market moving that the government did actually move quite quickly didn't it to try and help the mortgage market but uh, can you talk to me a little bit about how you guys are feeling in march and april
3: yeah i mean it, it was it was strange because this was this was 2020 this was the futuristic year of flying cars and everything was going to be okay and you know we came into it on the back of a Boris bounce and we thought, yeah, Brexit, that's sort of done and dusted, isn't it? And um, what could possibly go wrong? And then March hit and it was extraordinary. It was it was absolutely extraordinary. I, I lived through the credit crunch when it was almost as if mortgage broking was made illegal overnight back then. And we had a similar situation that the the lenders, bless them, were inundated with 20 25,000 calls a day around stamp duty defer uh, not stamp duty around um, mortgage um payment deferral schemes uh, the mortgage holidays they're so called and and that was a poor choice of words because everyone thought yeah you're brilliant I can not pay my mortgage for 3 months and there won't be any issues um and everything stopped and there we were sitting in the sunshine um wondering are we all going to have businesses to go back to when the housing market closed um but what was incredible was actually the mortgage industry did what it does best and it all looked after each other and the communication between everyone was brilliant uh competitors came together lenders came together and we all tried to help each other um and then when once the mortgage market opened once the housing market was opened again it was like all hell broke loose and it was, it was a crazy time because there was all this pent-up demand anyway. He then turned everything off for three months, opened it up again, and everyone went crazy. So all the normal reasons why people wanted to buy uh, to move out of home or um, move to school catchment areas, grow a family, etc., were joined by the added reasons of, actually, my work-life balance has changed now. Everything's changed. So actually, I need bigger space i need a home office i need a garden if i'm going into lockdown two or three or four i don't want to be doing it in the same four walls and then the government came along and poured some kerosene onto that fire (laughs) with a stamp duty holiday and it just absolutely blew up so it's been a it's been a crazy crazy time um the last three months have been loads of people have been recording record months but the problem is that lenders are still having the same capacity issues that they did have. Uh, Risk departments are now much more powerful than they were. Um, We haven't got 90% loan-to-value mortgages as much as we did. We're we're seeing big problems getting through people with bonuses or self-employed. So it's it's been a a real interesting time. I read yesterday that there has been something like 20, 24,000 different criteria changes in the last five, six months from lenders. Um so it's pretty hard to keep up with.
0: Well, wow, indeed, indeed. Now, Helen, can I turn to to you and talk about pensions? Um, people might think, well, pensions, that's a really long term investment. Surely they won't be um they won't have been affected by uh COVID and 2020's uh, lockdown. But we did see a lot of people suddenly very worried as they were on the cusp of retirement and about to go into drawdown in March and April, didn't we?
4: Absolutely. I mean, you know, people have used the words, you know, the words crazy times on this already several times, but that is the way that it has been I mean the market turbulence that we saw earlier on in the year you know people were just panicking and you know you, you mentioned people you know going into income Jordan and you know there were big challenges there you know in terms of you know had their the income that they were expecting would they still be able to take that would they need to make changes to it you know would they actually, you know, actually have to pause what they what they were doing for a while and sit back and take stock but i think also what we saw was lots of people that were still in the accumulation phase of pensions so you know maybe people in their 20s 30s 40s and you know they were looking at their pensions and they were seeing them decrease and they were really really panicking and we were getting lots of um you know quite quite a lot of um conversations on twitter with people going how has this happened what's going on Um, Do I need to change my investments and and things like that? So, you know, a lot of the messages that we were putting out were very much along the lines of, you know, this is a long-term investment, keep calm, carry on. Um, But I thought it kind of, it brought up really interesting um, issues around, you know, people's understanding of what a pension is, what it does, what you're invested in. And we actually did some research earlier on in the year um, that showed, you know, Quite a few people genuinely believe that once they hand over their contribution to their, to their pension provider, that they get saved in a bank. Mm. You know, so a lot of people mm. are, you know, this, this, it's really kind of brought home that there are some fundamental misunderstandings of how pensions work and, wh- and what they do, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you've touched on something there, the, the sort of the issue of education and people don't really understand how markets work. And they don't understand that if they've got savings in the bank or savings in the pension it is invested in the markets um Keith can I talk to you a little bit about how perhaps um the in- investment industry has sort of worked to kind of get the investment message home to try and communicate with investors and with advisors and say listen this is what the markets do don't panic
1: yeah, I mean, you, you've you've hit the nail absolutely on the head there. I was going to say, in, in a physical sense, the 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 problem was was really income with with dividend deferrals or cancellations, et cetera, You know, as companies sought to uh, ride out this this period of lockdown. But more than the physical sense is the metaphysical sense, and this is what we've just been touching on. That I'm afraid to say that people's uh, risk averse nature really got the better of them during during this year. And we saw an awful lot of panic, as I've already said. Um people heading for the hills, getting out at totally the wrong moment, and then getting back in at the wrong moment. And it's like, how do you educate people uh, to to accept that it, it's an inherently volatile place to be, the stock market. And what you've got to get over is this fact that it's not timing the market that matters, it's the time in the market that matters. And you really do have to have this this contrarian attitude uh, that says, I'm not gonna panic, I'm not gonna be panicked, I'm gonna see this thing through, because that is the way that you will be a successful investor. But it is extremely difficult to get over to people because there is this inherent risk-averse nature of mankind uh, and and you just have to be wired in a certain way to to accept that, and it's not the easiest thing to get across to 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 you know clients.
0: And do you think that technology can help with that? Because we've already heard from Helen that they were having conversations on Twitter. I mean, that's a, a great way to to engage, and that's a good use of technology. But do you think that technology can be used to help democratise investment, maybe as we go into twenty twenty one?
1: I don't know, I'm a technophobe, so I'm probably (laughs) left to ask. But what? Well, you're using Google
0: Hangouts for a a podcast, so you're obviously not that a tech. See, technology has changed it, hasn't it? Changed the face of 2020.
1: Teams teams and Zoom have been great in uh, in this environment. But in terms of things like Twitter, I mean, you know, the Twitter arty, they just seem to use megaphone diplomacy to me. Um, I, I don't. I don't pay attention to anything I read on Twitter. Uh, God, God knows if I let my life be ru- ruled by what people say on Twitter. I think I'd be in a cave. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't really. You know, I don't really think that technology in, in, in social media in the broadest sense helps one little jot with it.
0: Uh, well, I'm going to go to Andrew because I do know that technology has very much helped the uh, mortgage sector, especially <laughs> in helping to get some of that pipeline of business through, um, Andrew. Can you talk a little bit about the, some of the tech developments there? Virtual yeah, viewing
3: yeah it's been um it's been interesting because we've been waiting for the tech revolution to come for for years now every every new year is this is the year of tech and it, it hasn't hasn't happened but but this time everyone has been forced to do something so the uh, estate agents have been really quick and and really good and and the virtual viewings have been really successful and actually that's something i can see carrying on and and people will probably do a lot more of their first viewings at least virtually and then if they like something then they'll go and see it. So so that's been really really good. Um, The other thing that has really come of age is the automated valuation. Now now a lot of people have been using automated valuations for a while but um, this was the time when they actually had to do something because valuers simply weren't allowed to go out and, and go into properties for a while. So, so the avM technology has has really been used well by a lot of lenders um, in areas where it wasn't used before in slightly higher loan to value lending and I think that's proved to be pretty successful so again I think that's something that is going to stay with us um elsewhere the I think what we've proved as an industry is is everyone was very much uh, or that there was a lot of people who were actually I can only really do, do this job. If I see people face to face, I need to see the whites of their eyes. Mm -hmm. And then this new thing that we'd never heard of zoom came along or teams or Google Hangouts, et cetera. And, and zoom especially has, has just been a game changer. Um, We're able to have meaningful conversations, still have that human connection um, with clients and, and actually you're, you're, you're getting on with people just as well as if it was face to face Um, and we've proved that we can actually as an industry we're very lucky as mortgage brokers we can do our job from anywhere as long as you've got a good internet connection there are now all the tools there that enable me to do my job just as well sitting in my harry potter-esque office under the stairs um, as it is in in a big london office so so that, there's going to be some interesting changes there in terms of how do people do? People go back to offices in the same way? Do people commute in the same way? Why, why do I need to be in my office five days a week in London? Seems like a waste of time, really. Um, and then we've also had things like um, online documents, um, online signatures, the digital signatures, um, and I think all of this stuff has 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 come forth a lot. Um, and some of the stuff that people like 27 Tech are doing with their mortgage apply system, um, whereby all the information you already have, you can just transfer to a lender at a press of a button, um, that's starting to, to come through as well now. So so actually things are really moving. Mm. Um, and just to pick up on Keith's point about social media and Twitter, um, it is it is a bit of an echo chamber sometimes, but I think what the mortgage industry have done is used it brilliantly and if you look on social media twitter linkedin facebook there's some really really good people now utilizing social media to get the word out about what mortgage brokers do how we can help people how we care and and it's been it's been phenomenal it's been really successful for the for the mortgage broker
0: and that's good because obviously uh, as you said that you're a you're a people industry and um Well, we're all technically people industries. We we all have to talk to people. Um, But (laughs) journalists have to talk to people. It's kind of um, half the course, really, for us. Catherine, you as a broker, obviously, you are a very people person and um, you're very good at using social media. Um, Can we talk about what you're doing? But can we also ask about... The insurance industry because people have claimed that insurers have been like tankers slow to turn around and every time technology is mentioned the insurers kind of seem to roll their eyes and fold their arms and say not this conversation again so can we talk a bit about what you're doing then what about the insurers have done because suddenly they've had to develop haven't they
2: Yeah, I think there's been a few different things going on. So, you know, we do still have some times where insurers are saying, well, it still needs to be by paper formats, but that is getting less and less. So we've got more trusts that are able to go online. Um, When everything was happening, you know, some insurers very quickly moved to being able to do remote medical screenings so that people could still obviously be able to access the insurance. I think. I think it does seem to take, it does feel like it does take a little while. I don't like, it just seems to take a while to sort of see if insurers do make these changes. But I think, you know, there's so many different departments obviously that need to be involved. These are massive companies that um, you do sometimes see with smaller companies that things are able to get actioned a bit quicker. It's not meant as many people that need to approve things. I think a big thing for me, technology-wise on our side of things is um, has been Underwrite Me. Obviously, that is something that's been around for quite a while now. Um, but this year, I think that has really, really stood out, just how easy it is for people to put information information in there and as well because I come from a lot of uh, advice in regards to the medical side of things so even just kind of going on there and testing out which insurers are going to be right so it's, it's streamlining it for quite a lot of people to start to say right okay I've got some of this health condition instead of doing individual research for every single insurer can I get potentially a really good indication through write me and, and there are quite a lot of health conditions where that can work um really really well Obviously, social media-wise, yes, I am pretty much everyone on social media. Um, Hopefully, Keith doesn't mind my tweets if he does see them, I'll follow them. Um, But um, I think I'm, I'm a bit torn with social media this year, I have to say. I, I do love social media. I think it's brilliant. Um, I love it. And I think it can be an incredible, I've, I've met so many wonderful people, especially on Twitter, that I would have never met in person because I live up in the middle of nowhere. And, um, and you know, we have a daft laugh. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you find people that you can have a sarcastic laugh with. Or some, some people you get banter with. Some people you just have like a nice kind of camaraderie with different things. And then there are obviously, as, as Keith alluded to, you know, there are people who aren't necessarily the most positive of people uh, to meet on social media media. And I think this year, because we're all so tense, I think, you know, even if if you do or don't have mental health issues, this, this isn't a normal situation that we're in. We're all out of our usual routines. And I think it's become quite, I think people are quite quick on social media, especially this year, to maybe start expressing opinions or getting a bit more feisty over their thoughts. Um, that they would maybe wouldn't do in person I think we've, we've started to sort of get to this point where the computer is kind of becoming a barrier to what we would maybe do for normal social um, interaction um, and I am doing some work on this at the moment in regards to sort of best practices um, and I think that could be I, th- I think it's been a, a wonderful thing and I think but I think sometimes we just also need to be very very careful but um I think another massive thing for me technology wise is and and I do quite a lot of work with the um with the organization purple which is a, a it's like an accessibility disabled um, accessibility charity and one of the things that they've said is that for years they have been saying you can hire people who work from home you know not everybody with a disability can get into the office all the time or can commute to london or different things like that um and you know you're missing out on a huge talent pool and everybody's always said, i can't adapt i can't adapt and this year we've we reproved as a country within two days we can convert an entire nation to working from home, and so what I'm really hopeful for is that technology has allowed many organisations to see actually we can do this, and you know it, it may not suit every kind of job, um, but you know there'll be hopefully so many more jobs where people can go. You know what? Actually, I am missing out on possibly a really good talent pool here. So I, th- I think there's been really and I th- I there's been good things, and I've been think there's been some not so good things twenty twenty. so it's
0: our 2020 vision isn't it um, yeah. helen i'm going to, to to ask you to talk a little bit about the um the, the the tech and how royal london has um adapted its tech offering perhaps to help um help consumers this time and then i'd also like you to to kick off with talking about what your wish list for 2021 would be or or what sort of a good piece of advice you would give to pension holders in 2021.
4: Okay. Great. Okay. I know. Well, big the, question. <laughs> big, big questions. Big questions. No, this this is great. So, um, in terms of of the tech, you know, I mean, it goes back to I think what Catherine was saying there, and the you know, we were faced as you know as a provider, um, having to get you know hundreds and hundreds of people working from home within a very, very short space of time. You know, it was a time when customers really needed, you know, um, someone on the end of the phone, et cetera. And, you know, we are really, really proud of how, you know, not just us, but you know, the rest of the industry has responded to that. You know, as people have said, you know, prior to to COVID, you know, there were many people that thought, I can't do my job from home. This year has proven um, that you very much can, so um, I think that's been a, a real positive in um, the year. Um, I think with regards to kind of the, the tech, I think one thing that we're very excited about, you know, kind of going forward, is the development of app of pensions apps mm-hmm. and their ability to to um, to fuel engagement. I think you know in the past you know we've had online portals that you've logged into and you know lots of functionality, but I think you know sometimes people've gone. Or oh, that, you know, I can't be bothered with that. Whereas the whole idea of having an app on your mobile phone, being able to see your pensions value, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see um, how that technology develops over the year. Um, I think I will have my, my little gripe because obviously with regards to the whole tech part of pensions you know that is very much kind of pinned on progress of the pensions dashboard mm. Um, and I was looking at stuff that um, we did this time last year you know um, you know Boris had just won the election and I remember us putting out a call to say you know you need to you know honour your manifesto um pledges and you know we really 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 must have you know progress on the pensions dashboard and You know, obviously these things take time to get right and, and, you know, I think if we get it right, it's going to be a really major thing or, you know, it is disappointing that, you know, we might not see it till 2023 um, because I do think that it has the ability to really, really help people to engage with their pensions. And just talking again about social media, and I think when people talk about it in this industry, um, we talk a lot about Twitter, and I think Twitter is its own very particular beast—a beast, um, a beast indeed. <laughs> it really is a beast. Whereas for the first time this year, um, I did an Instagram live, and prior mm-hmm. to that point, I never thought of Instagram as a means of, of you know, engaging on pensions. And um, it was like a 45 minute thing. You know, you're directly engaging with the audience, they're sending in questions, things like that. And I was absolutely blown away by the response that we got and the questions that were being asked. So I think um, there's a lot more scope there for us to develop beyond, you know, the, the very traditional, what we would say business side of social media which is twitter and the linkedin and maybe look at you know the facebook's and the instagram um channels a little bit more because as i say i was really blown away by the amount of people that dialed in and the amount of people that asked questions i thought that was that was great um the final question was was it was it advice did you say yeah what what
0: one piece of um what one piece of sort of advice or well i, I suppose advice is a we have to be very careful in our industry of, of using the word advice what what helpful hint let's say what helpful hint because that's that's a reg not regulated term is it what sort of yeah. helpful hint might you give to people in the to to pension holders either in the accumulation or decumulation stage as we enter 2021
4: the helpful hint, and I think I might have mentioned it earlier on in the podcast, is keep calm and carry on. Pensions are a long term game. You know, um, do not allow yourself to be spooked by short term um, challenges, You know, no matter how big they seem. You know I was in the position obviously I I remember the credit crunch too and I remember what was happening in the markets then and I remember how frightened I was because I'd never seen anything anything like that and you know, some of my you know, younger colleagues you know have been quite spooked by what's happening and it's letting people know that these things do happen or pensions are a long-term game mm, absolutely
0: Keith I can see you you nodding there what would your sage piece of wisdom be for investors as we head into 2021 and the possibility of the French featuring our Brexit deal at the last minute, you know.
1: <laughs> I have to say, actually, what happens with the Brexit deal and transition doesn't really concern me. Most companies who've got any sense of prepared for all eventualities. It's companies that haven't prepared that are using it as an excuse, just as they did with Y2K and 9-11. And um, you don't so invest in those that,
0: anyway, so, you
1: know. I don't invest in that trash anyway, so no. <laughs> um, What, what I would so. say... I mean, the big, the big challenge, obviously, is getting the world back to normal. And, that you know, the vaccine is great news, uh, but it's just got to be rolled out and we've got to get people back to normal. And sadly, the, the, the policy response to the crisis doesn't bode well for the government's ability to do that. But I think that's, that's the big challenge. Um, and in terms of the opportunity, Look, this place is the United Kingdom is a wonderful, wonderful place to do business. It's probably second only to the States. You know, we've got we've got the we've got the time uh, zone in our favor. We've got the language, universal language of business. Uh, we've got the entrepreneurial skills. We've got the, um, the, the the legal system, and we've got the accounting standards. Everything is is great for business in this country, and that's the opportunity. Let's get things back to normal and let's just get on with it. I actually think that um, UK investments, UK UK companies, are woefully undervalued at the moment, and and at the smaller end of the scale, the smaller companies end of the scale. That's that's doubly so because everybody says, oh, they're domestically focused, and you know the country's going to to, to hell in a handcart. Well, it, it isn't. This is a great place to be. And all we've got to do is get back to normal. And there's a wonderful opportunity there, in my opinion.
0: There you go. Look for the opportunities and stay focused and maybe consider some small caps too. That's uh, that's good. Andrew, what's your piece of sage wisdom? I can use that, right? The regulator isn't against the word sage wisdom. But sage <laughs> sage wisdom, wisdom
2: in the mortgage
0: well, market.
3: Not many people have used my name and sage wisdom in the same sentence before. but um, This is a first. In, <laughs> this is a first. Um <laughs> i think it's really interesting i think what we've learned from this year is is that collaboration is key and um and that's what really warms the cockles of my heart is that uh, as a mortgage industry we have we have done so much together to get through this um and we've we've learned so much i think it's all about um not going blindly back to how things were um it won't be a walk in the park next year. I think the first first quarter of next year will all be about the stamp duty holiday, um, will all be about the stresses and strains around that. And and I hope there is some kind of extension or tapering or, or something to to avoid some kind of cliff edge there. Um, but I think it's, it's really for those who go into it with a positive attitude, sense of determination, uh, a willingness to keep adapting, um, And most and first and foremost, looking after our clients, it's all about the customer. It's all about the customer journey Um, and it's all about promoting, keeping, promoting the idea that advice in our market is absolutely essential. Um, Then I think 2021 could could actually be a pretty decent year for everyone. Um, So it's all about keeping positive and, and being the optimist.
0: Excellent. Catherine, uh, we're going to uh, end with you, so uh... <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> I suppose
2: the advice that I would probably be giving, you know, if we were talking directly to a consumer, I think there's many things, you know, people like with mortgages, they can't, you know, a lot of people don't suddenly stop paying the mortgages, or maybe some people do, you know, you know people investing to pensions it's something that often is happening automatically through work mm-hmm. and when it comes to protection it can sometimes seem like something that's like a bit of an add-on or a bit of an extra expense that isn't really essential and what I would just want to say to people who, who are maybe thinking that would be to say just bear in mind why you took it out in the first place, you know, that protection need probably hasn't disappeared. And, um, and, and yes, you know, it could be that people have lost their jobs and absolutely, you know, if it's a choice between having an insurance and feeding you and your family, that's probably going to be the food is probably going to be the priority, but to, to seek out advice, basically, it could be that there's some payment holidays that are available on the policies. It could be that an adaptation can just be done to make it slightly more affordable. So I think with with everybody, it's probably just and I think this is anybody at all in the industry, insurers, advisors and consumers, anybody, just don't make rushed decisions. And if, mm. if you are going to make a decision, you know, maybe speak to somebody from a slightly different area or level of expertise or insight than you have, and just see if there's something that, that could be done.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much, Catherine. Wise words indeed. So as we approach 2021, um, we have to consider the long term, avoid those cliff edges. Meet the challenges with calmness and uh, and carry on. I think that's, that seems to be the uh, overarching message. But um, for me, Simony, and from Andrew, Helen, Catherine and Keith, thank you very much. Have a lovely Christmas and a happy and prosperous 2021.